An old graveyard in Fish House. This is the Historian's Podcast, and we welcome Joanne Blaber, who is Deputy Historian of the Town of Northampton in Fulton County. She lives in the hamlet of Fish House. Thanks for joining us, Joanne. Thank you. First off, tell us about Fish House. How did this unusual name come to be applied to the place you live? Um, Fish House really was, it was established in 1762, but before that, Sir William Johnson, he lived in Johnstown. He was the superintendent of Indian Affairs. He was um, a wealthy colonist, but was also had great relations with the Indians and worked with the government. And he liked to hunt and fish, so he would come up into this Sacandaga Valley uh, for hunting and fishing, and he built a little camp that he called his fish house on the east side of the Sacandaga River. And uh, he then <clears throat> gave some land to Sir Godfrey Shue, and so Shue was technically the first settler of fish house, um, and he built the first house. Um, and they kept the name of Fish House, but for years it was called Northampton because it is the town of Northampton. If you look on old maps, you'll see it listed as the town of Northampton. And one of the earlier historians, Kate Sleazer, really worked with um, uh, the government and had our name officially made into Fish House in the 1960s because uh, everybody calls it Fish House. One s- signal event that happened there, and it's it takes us out of our little timeline because we're talking about the founding of Fish House. Things changed dramatically when the Great Sacandaga body of water was created. In the mid-20s, 1920s, there was so much flooding going on in Troy and Schenectady and Albany, and they had talked oh, before this, but then they finally decided that they needed to build a dam um, and turn the valley into a lake to control the flooding uh, downstate. So um, they drew these elevation lines, and any house that was in the lower elevation, the people had a choice. They could move their house. They could burn the house down. They could just leave it there. Uh, The valley was stripped of all the trees. Um, Fish house was impacted, about half of it. Um, And of the houses that were there, um, 12 of them got moved, some of them large Victorians, and six of them were torn down. Um, So there's not very much left of Fish House. There are roads that lead to where the Fish House Center was, uh, for instance, Old Fish House Road. If you took that, it would go right down to the center of Fish House. Um, And sometimes you can see that center of Fish House when the water level is really, really low. Well, let me ask you to go back to the time before the reservoir was created, which we call now the Great Sacandaga Lake. What was happening in Fish House in the 1800s? Was it prosperous? It started really around 1805. Um, The first brick store was built in 1805. The house that I'm living in was built in 1805 out of local bricks. Um, But they had uh, several stores. They had a couple of hotels. They had Osborne Hotel. Fish House Hotel, uh, lots of businesses up the road. There were lots of factories and grist mills. It also became a place where um, some wealthy people from downstate 
started building these large, beautiful Victorian homes. Um, it was also known as what they called the gateway to the Adirondacks. If you wanted to come up to go hunting and fishing in the Adirondacks, people would stop at, at Fish House at the hotels before they ventured on. Um, and around that time, also around 1814, um, the Presbyterian Church Organization, the Diocese, decided that there weren't enough Presbyterian churches in this wilderness of upstate New York. So they had a lot of revivals. <clears throat> and there was a revival here in Fish House in 1814. And it was then that, that people of Fish House decided that they were going to build a church. And that was the and beginning of the Presbyterian Church. Well, tell us more about the Presbyterian Church of Fish House. Some of the early settlers that were very instrumental in the forming of Fish House, there was Isaac Noyes. He had a store, and there was Abraham Beecher, and they were the first deacons, and they were the ones that decided that they were going to build this church. And I think it was, I haven't verified it, but I think it was on land that was donated by John Fay, and they built a wooden structure. Um, and then in 1859, that structure was replaced by a brick structure. So if you're driving down 109, coming toward the lake, it is almost at the intersection of County Highway 109 and County Highway 110. And the brick building is still there. Um, early, I think it was 1915, they took the steeple down because they thought it was unsafe. So the church doesn't have a steeple. Um, it's no longer a church. They had, I think, the last church service in 1915 or 1916. Now it's privately owned. Um, it, you can't really venture into it. Um, but it's uh, owned by one of the residents here in Fish House. And um, it's uh, a cute little church. And the graveyard sits next to it. And the graveyard has been a place that you have uh, worked a lot and done, done some research. It's called a graveyard properly, as opposed to calling it a cemetery. Why, why is that? This is my own little mini-war. I'm going to digress a little bit. I get an historical cemetery, and the organization does not like the use of graveyard. But if you look at the definition of a graveyard, it's a small cemetery that is built in conjunction with the church. It's next to a church. Whereas our big, large cemetery here in Fish House, off Old Fish House Road, would be a cemetery. It stands by itself. There's no church next to it. So I refer to it as a graveyard. Um, hmm. Sadly, this little graveyard doesn't seem to have an official name. If you research it, it has lots of variations. You know, the Presbyterian Church Cemetery, the old graveyard of the Presbyterian. You know, it's a variety of names. Joanne Blaber is uh, with us on the Historians uh, Podcast, Deputy Historian of the Town of Northampton. We're talking about the Presbyterian Church Graveyard, the old graveyard in uh, in Fish House. Over the years, people have kind of kept track of this graveyard. I mean, again, before you came along, if you will. I've done some research um... Back in the 1930s, the workmen, the WPA program for, during the Depression went around and did a lot of um, listing of cemeteries and the graves in cemeteries. So that was my first reference point. Um, they didn't always get it right. 
they did find uh, many of them. I mean, the first gravestone in this little graveyard is 1803, um, and the last one is 1862. Um, so they they found most of them. Uh, after that, in the 1990s, Dave Bixby, who was out of, I believe, Northville, he had retired, and he realized that he went to these various cemeteries, and nobody knew much about them. So he took on an amazing project of recording. He had a video camera. He recorded it. If you go into any of the local libraries, that you will find binders by Dave Bixby. So he would take a video shot of the tombstones and so forth? He would take a video shot, and in his in his research, he would list the, all the information that was on the gravestone. If he knew anything about that person, he would write down whatever he knew. And he also had like a, a grid system. So I went to, I think, the library in Johnstown, and I looked at all those, trying to figure out his grid system. Um, and then I went to the cemetery and used what he had to try and locate all the graves and figure out the organization of the graveyard. Now, as you say, he did the cemetery in Fish House, but he did over 180 cemeteries? Yeah. Um, I just read the other day he did close to over 200,000 graves. Um, he expanded it. He started out in Providence, and he expanded it into, which is in Saratoga County. He also went into Fulton and Montgomery County. So he did an amazing amount of research. And his research really, really helped me. Is Mr. Bixby still alive? No, he, he has died. I'm not sure when he died. Um, but he he was extremely helpful. His research is very instrumental in helping me out. What It's, it's such an interesting thing that he did, or such a big undertaking. Do you know what is any more about him? Like what was his line of work and so forth? Cause I believe you said he started this when he retired. He retired, and his son, I believe, was buried in a Galway cemetery. And he realized there, when he was there, that there were a lot of graves that seemed that they were neglected, and he thought that maybe it would really help if he could document this. And so he 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 just went off and, and did this, and he videotaped it and referenced it with the videotape. I haven't accessed those tapes. I've seen mm-hmm. some of his binders that had pictures of the gravestones, but the ones I was working with in Johnstown didn't. Joanne Blaber is with us. And now you enter the scene, if you will, in terms of uh, working on this uh, <laughs> uh, cemetery. Uh, you said you were a science teacher, and is it correct to assume, or I guess this is my working assumption now, maybe you retired from that and you moved up yes. there because it's a nice place to be, or did you have a family connection or something like that there? I taught in science in Saratoga Springs for, for 30 years. And um, from the 1980s on, we had camped here. And then we had a house down in the southern end of the lake. But then when I retired, or shortly before I retired, we, we bought this little place in Fish House and added on to it. And then we've retired here. Quite honestly, I hated history. <laughs> Just I was not a fan of it. But this little house, it was built in 1805. One of the previous owners was a lawyer out of Schenectady. His name was Tom Talot. And when the lake was being made, 
as a lawyer, he was fighting some of the decisions that Hudson River had made, and so he had taken a lot of pictures of the valley before and after, um, pictures of this house because he was fighting Hudson River on some structures that were left on this property. So that kind of grabbed my attention, and I became involved in Mm -hmm. learning more about the history. I'm associated with the Fish House Community Center, so that's also an historical building, and as many pictures as I can find, I post up there on their wall. I've run a couple historical tours of the houses. I have a website set up, and at first I was looking into all the houses, trying to find out their history, and then I got involved with the people Hmm. researching them. Well, the people buried in the cemetery, you mean? The pe- well, not quite, just the people of Fish House. And it wasn't until I saw this person on Facebook, he's called the Good Cemeterian, and he cleans gravestones. I said, you know what, that would be a good community project for me. I'll go up and I'll use this um, solution that's called D2 Biologic, and I'll start cleaning some gravestones for the cemetery up there, for the graveyard up there. And after cleaning several of them, I started getting interested in the people. I've well, tell us a bit more about cleaning a gravestone. Uh, what, what do you do, and how does it work? It's a, it's a safe solution. It's an expensive solution called D2 Biologic. But what I first do with a gravestone is I will scrub it with a brush. Then I'll put some water on it and scrub it some more and then rinse it again. Then I'll spray it with this, this uh, solution and let it sit for about 15 minutes. And then I'll scrub it again and then rinse it again. And it, at first it made me nervous because all of a sudden it would turn brown, but then I would rinse it off. But the amazing thing about this, this solution is, you know, I did a lot of my work in the fall when it was cooler, and then I would spray the gravestone one more time uh, with the D2 Biologic, and it works for months. So uh, we tend to go south in the wintertime, and I would come back in the spring and... Some of the gravestones I had worked on weren't black anymore. They were like this pristine white. Um, And you could read what the gravestone was saying. So it it really is an amazing um, cleanser, and it's safe for the stones. But you did research the Fish House graveyard at the Presbyterian Church about the people buried there. Can can you tell us about some of the people? It's a small little graveyard. Um, Almost 70 people are there. About half of them are children six and under, which is kind of sad. Many of them died in uh, the 1840s, probably diphtheria or cholera or even measles. Um, the first one was buried there in 1803, and the last one in 1862. There are some family rows, and then there's some total isolated people buried there that I didn't know, but... Well, what amazed me is when I did the research, and I've only done about 19 in-depth research. It's tough to find, but there are a lot of connections to history. Uh, We have a revolutionary soldier buried there, David Marvin. He uh, died in 1811. Uh, He fought in the Revolutionary War for the Connecticut Volunteers. He came to Fish House uh, toward the end of his life. His father was Marvin who was one of our earlier doctors. He, Dr. Langdon Marvin was in the Revolutionary War. John Fay, he died in 1855. He has a huge stone there. He was the one who built the first brick store at Fish House. 
Then he built the first hotel, a fish house. He was also elected to uh, the 16th U.S. Congress. So he represented us in you know, the U.S. Congress. He was also a postmaster. Um, he really shaped fish house. He was, he was what you would, I guess I would call a mover brewer of fish house. He really mm-hmm. put us on the map. Um, Deacon Abraham Beecher is there. He was the one who helped Isaac Noyes, and they built the, the first church. He died in 1845. Um, he, his cousin was Harriet Beecher Stowe. So, really? I mean, he was, he, yeah, he, so he had that connection. He's also, also connected to other Beechers that were um, uh, reverends or preachers, uh, if you research his family. His wife, uh, her maiden name was Fuller. Lydia Day Fuller, and uh, her great-great-grandfather was Samuel Fuller. He came to America on the Mayflower, age 12. Um, ah. His parents died that first year, so he was raised by his uncle uh, in Plymouth, and he married when he was 27 to uh, Jane uh, Lothorpe, but the thing that's interesting, the person who married them was Captain Miles Standish. And so we're talking about tiny little fish house, and I'm recognizing these historical names going, well, how can that be? How can we have these kind of connections? And it's just a a tiny little hamlet. You also found what you thought at first were little gravestones, but what were they? Yeah, uh, when I first got up there, um, there were these tiny, they looked like tiny little markers. And in other cemeteries, I had seen them, and they represented um, children's graves, and they'd be surrounding, like, their parents' gravestone. Um, But then I realized that they had um, initials on them, and the initials coincided with a nearby gravestone. And so I did some research and realized that they were called footstones. The footstones, they're tripping hazards, first of all. (laughs) So you have to be careful. The confusing thing is these footstones in this graveyard are behind the gravestone, which totally threw me off. Um, But again, with Bixby's grid and with these footstones, I was able to locate even gravestones that had been buried in in the ground. Very helpful. And also you learned something kind of similar to the idea of a graveyard being by a church and the cemetery being something else. The Christian tradition was to bury the bodies in a certain direction. What confused me when I looked at this graveyard is the the church is facing the road. When you go into the graveyard from the road, none of the gravestones are facing you. They're facing in the other direction. And so I couldn't figure out why. So, well, maybe the main entrance to the graveyard was from the back of the church. But then I real I did some more research, and the tradition back then was you bury the bodies in an east-west direction, with the head being on the west side, because apparently the Christian belief was when the Lord would make would come back, the bodies would raise up and face east. So huh. when you go to the cemetery, yeah, it's, when you go to the cemetery, you have to walk into the cemetery from the road, and then turn around, and you'll see the inscriptions on the gravestone, and then the footstones are behind the gravestone. So, again, wow. it, it threw me off somewhat, but 
using, as I said, the gravestones and the footstones, um, I was able to locate even more gravestones that weren't in the 1930s, um, and Bixby might have missed them too. Um, I wasn't sure if I would be arrested, but one time last summer I dug about two feet down <laughs> into the cemetery, and I found pieces of um, a small child's gravestone and brought them up, uh, and I've pieced them together into some cement trying to hmm. make it one again. You, you mentioned you, you were a bit fearful of being arrested. Does someone own the graveyard? <laughs> There's a, a small dilemma. Nobody owns the graveyard but the town of Northampton, and I wish the town of Northampton would mow it Um Many years ago, there was a cemetery association, and they maintained the large graveyard or cemetery in Fish House. And technically, they were supposed to maintain this one, and nobody did. So neighbors have have taken up to mow it, but all the neighbors, including myself, who have been mowing it, are now on in our years. So I'm trying to get the town to maintain it, because technically, it's on town property. I think I'm making headway. I hope I am. Or maybe you need to kind of recruit young disciples who be interested uh, in old yes. cemeteries. I do have some strategies. I have a, a Facebook page that I take pictures of the graves and I do the bios. I have a website page. And I have gotten a few people that have volunteered to come help me uh, clean the graves. Um, I've even gotten a couple donations. So I am drumming up some interest in this. Let's do some business here. Let's fi- find out your websites. You have the one that I know of is NorthamptonNYHistory.com, or maybe that's the yeah. Or is that your website? That's my website. Yes, and you'll. Okay. I believe pictures are worth thousands of words, so I have filled that website with lots of pictures, but also with a lot of information. I'm concentrating right now on the graveyard, but. You'll see slideshows from my 2009 history tour, my um, historical tour in the 2012. There are old maps on there. There's some fabulous links. Um, Pete Shu has done an amazing amount of research, so his link is on there. So I I'm, find a lot of people through them finding my website. So NorthamptonNYHistory.com. We of History.com. Yeah, well, yes. let's link to that on bobcudmore.com. You're on Facebook? I am, Fish House New York. So I have I put a lot of my um, my blogs. I do like a little blog on the website. I've been lately taking pictures of um, the gravestones and putting the bios up there of the people that I've learned about. And I've made connections with people because a lot of people um, are interested in genealogy and some of them are are connected to this area. So they appreciate what little things I find and it helps out. And then I learn from them. Let me ask you the question this way. What is interesting about these old cemeteries? Why are people interested? I think people are more interested in genealogy now. Um, I love the fact that they want to get back into the past. I'm interested in it uh, with my own genealogy, but the more I delve into this graveyard, um, I want these people to be known. I mean, this little town got started by these settlers who were amazingly brave going into the wilderness and starting up a little town. And I have all the respect uh, possible for them, and I'd like other people 
to know. And um, a lot of people who contact me say, well, that was my, my great-great-grandfather, or thank you very much, I've learned a little bit more about my family history. And I think history is important. We can't let history be forgotten. Have you become kind of a cemeterian? Do you visit other cemeteries now? Um, I do. I do go up to the, the large cemetery on the hill, and if you've ever want the most beautiful place to look at the lake, you drive down Old Fish House Road and go into that Northampton Cemetery, and it's a beautiful cemetery. A lot of history up there. Um, I will actually probably start doing bios there when I'm done with this little graveyard. Uh, I also volunteer for um, an organization called Find a Grave, so I'll get emails saying, um, right. can you go find this grave in this cemetery? And I'll take a picture of the grave and I'll submit it because people who are doing genealogy, they might be across the country and they know that their, you know, their relative is buried in some cemetery, but they've never seen a picture of the gravestone. So I'll go and take a picture of the gravestone. It's a large organization, and I've used it also for my research. Well, it certainly has been fascinating uh, uh, talking with you about, uh, about this. Um, and so you're continuing on with this with this work, right? You have more to do with uh, the Presbyterian oh, Church graveyard. A, a lot more to do. I've I've um, I have a lot more cleaning to do, and with the donation I got, I'm I'm now able to clean the whole gravestone and just instead of just the front, uh, so I can figure out who's buried there. Um, I intend. I would love to have a a marker put up there so people would actually know that there's a graveyard there. I attempted through an organization to get an historical marker, but they were a little difficult to work with, with primary sources. Um, so I am working with Gail Kramer. She's technically my boss. She's the historian of Northampton. And we're working on an idea of trying to get some of these historical places mm -hmm. uh, have to have historical signs so people can be aware of, of their surroundings and, and know what's there. Thanks to Joanne Blaber for her work on history. And here's one of her stories from the website about the Presbyterian Church graveyard in Fish House. With some omissions, these are Joanne's words. Edwin C. Wood died in 1851 before his first birthday. There were six graves of the children of Dr. Alva Wood and Maria Fay Wood in the burial ground, Dr. Alva Wood was one of the first doctors in Fish House. He and his wife Maria had ten children. Four of their children made it to adulthood. Six did not. Heartbreaking, especially considering that their father was a doctor. Edwin C. Wood did not see his first birthday. He died November 1st, 1851. He was the last Wood child to be buried in the graveyard. After I, and that would be Joanne, understood the significance of footstones, she found a footstone with the initials of ECW. It was located in the area where the Wood children were buried, so she started to dig. The stone was broken, so she assumed there was more to it. More digging turned up lots of smaller pieces, and with some help, she was able to put together some of the headstone and put it on a kind of little concrete uh, platform and was able, with help of others, to determine the poem 
that was written on the stone, and here it is. Farewell, darling, thou hast left us for the courts of heaven above, and thy loss it has bereft us of thy young and childlike love. Fare thee well, it soon will meet thee, darling more than ever dear. Ah, we know not till we lost thee. We had had an angel here. Our guest has been Joanne Blaber, deputy historian of the town of Northampton. She lives in the hamlet of Fish House. You've been listening to the Historian's Podcast, and I'm Bob Cudmore.